Welcome to the Align Nutrition Podcast, a place where eating doesn't get in the way of living. We use science and psychology to move past the challenges you face while healing your relationship to food. I'm your host, Erica Drury, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. For the past 10 years, I've been helping people like you find a happy medium of flow and balance with eating. If solving these issues were easy, you would have figured it out already. Expect to learn a new way. Each week, you'll hear trainings, listen in on mini coaching sessions from people on your same path, and learn from other guest professionals. I'm so glad you've joined me. Hey there, welcome back to the Align Nutrition Podcast. Today, I'm going to be speaking with Merritt Elizabeth. She is a certified eating disorder recovery coach based in Dallas, Texas. Before I tell you a little bit about her, I wanted to frame out the topic of our conversation. We are going to be talking about mindfulness and specifically how mindfulness can show up for us in our day-to-day lives as we're healing our relationship to food. We're going to be talking about a distinction between meditation and mindfulness some common ways that we can utilize mindfulness when we're healing our relationship to food. This episode is especially helpful for you if you've dealt with anxiety or obsessive thoughts or have found mindfulness to be irritating, frustrating, or intolerable in the past. I think Merit brings in a really important perspective that is full of compassion for ourselves and positivity as well as just being real as we develop resilience in this longer process of healing our relationship to food. So my hope is that it's really helpful and positive for you. So let me tell you a little bit about her. She is a recovery coach, like I said, certified through the Carolyn Costin Institute that utilizes a workbook called Eight Keys to Recovery that's based on a book by Carolyn Costin, Eight Keys to Recovery. She provides virtual and in-person services to adolescent and young adult women around the world. She is a magna cum laude graduate of Southern Methodist University, where she also earned a master in science and health promotion and management. She utilizes her own shared recovery experience to provide recovery care and empower her clients to seek and live a life of health and wellness, along with private one-on-one coaching. She also hosts peer support groups in an effort to provide students and recovery tools when they need to remain in school and on campus. She is a dynamic and wonderful speaker with middle school, high school, and college age groups and confronting the dangers of social media and diet culture, enhancing body image, and empowering self-esteem. She also loves baking and trying new breathwork, yoga, and meditation, as we will talk about. Thank you so much for being here with us, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hey there, welcome back to the Align Nutrition Podcast. I am so excited to introduce this conversation to you. I am speaking with Merit, and she is a wonderful recovery coach. You would have just heard her beautiful bio, and I have her sitting here in front of me. So Merit, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Absolutely. I've wanted to have this conversation for a while. And when I met you, you're working with some of my clients and just making that connection and talking with you. I love how you bring mindfulness into your work. And so I'm excited to talk to you about that more today and how it shows up in the recovery process, healing your relationship to food. What um, I always like people to understand who they're speaking with. 
So could you tell me a bit how you got into this work? Maybe what a recovery coach is, just in case someone doesn't know, or just some details about how you practice? Yeah, absolutely. I had my own eating disorder that I struggled with all throughout high school and college. So that is really what got me into this work. After I fully recovered, I was working as a peer mentor, uh, mentoring young women with eating disorders. And I found it to be so fulfilling that I wanted to make it a bigger part of my life. And so at that time, I was working in Los Angeles in the fashion industry. And I decided to come back to Dallas to earn a master's in health promotion management from SMU and earn my uh, certification in eating disorder recovery coaching from the Carolyn Costin Institute. So that's how I got you know, into full-time coaching. What was your second question? Just how you got into like the way that you practice. It sounds like mm-hmm. you were definitely influenced by, I'm imagining your experience in the fashion industry and mm-hmm. then learning from Carolyn Costin. What, what would you say are some tenants and how you practice with clients? Yeah. Well, first I'll explain what a CCI coach is. I think that's important for everyone to know. Eating disorder recovery coaching is an adjunct to the treatment team. So it's not a it's not a replacement for, you know, traditional therapy or a registered dietitian, but it's a great extra added layer of support and accountability. So I'm available at all hours for my clients to text me, um, maybe hop on a FaceTime, you know, if we're struggling with a meal or we just need some extra advice and encouragement throughout the day. Um, but like I said, not a replacement, uh, more uh, an extra layer of support. And so I, what I like to incorporate in a lot of my sessions with clients is this idea of mindfulness. This was a huge part of my recovery and my life today. You know, it, it's really just a daily practice being mindful every single day. I struggled a lot with anxiety and OCD. I had a lot of, you know, racing thoughts. I could never calm my mind. And I found that engaging in, you know, whether it was meditation, breath work, it was very helpful for for me in being able to slow down, you know, get clarity on a situation and just be present in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And that's one of the first things that I wanted to ask you about. I think a lot of people listening to this podcast, a lot of people I work with, I'm sure a lot of people you work with, are kind of natural skeptics or have maybe tried some mindfulness and found it to be, you know, terrible. Maybe it's the anxiety and the racing thoughts or the OCD and those just that re- repetition and obsession and, and kind of cyclic nature of the thoughts. And so I think sometimes when people think of mindfulness, they think of like tuning in and yeah. listening to all of that. And so I was curious for you, like if you felt that way when you first discovered mindfulness or just maybe you're journey with that. Yeah. What we were saying before the call of why are so many people scared of meditation? And I really think it is because we associate meditation with like sitting in a dark room, letting our thoughts just race through our mind, being totally silent and having just to sit there for 20 minutes, you know, while we're ruminating about thoughts. And that's not what meditation is. It can certainly make you more anxious if you know you're having a panic attack or if you're trying to meditate at a really high stress point throughout the day but i like to practice guided meditation and so for me what that looks like is finding a really comfortable area of my house maybe even laying down you know on the couch getting a blanket and listening to someone guide me through the meditation the entire time right so there really is no silence maybe a minute or 2 minutes max but really someone is 
providing this meditation for me, right? Like they're talking to me the entire time, maybe saying affirmations, um, something that's super comforting. And I love meditation because it really helps me calm down. And like I was saying before, I think it's really important that we don't try to meditate at a really high stress time in our lives, time in our day. I personally like to meditate right when I wake up in the morning, right before I go to bed. It really helps with sleep too. That's really interesting. I, I That makes sense when you're in kind of that heightened state or you're feeling super anxious that that's maybe not the time to mm-hmm. like completely slow down. And so that misconception of, oh, mindfulness should be something you do when you're, you know, panicking about something or, but more of like, meditation is a practice. It sounds like it's like a ritual. It's like part of what you do in certain parts of your day and a way to like drop in and kind of connect. Is there a distinction between like mindfulness in general and meditation? Like, are there other ways that people can practice mindfulness? I know one of the last things we want to talk about is like recovery and food and like where mindfulness and food come together, but just, um, you know, kind of framing out what we're talking about. Is there some defining we need to do between those? Definitely. Meditation is just one form of being mindful. And the exact definition of being mindful is the quality or state of being conscious or aware of something. And we can be conscious or aware, you know, even when we're not meditating, right? We can practice being mindful by going on a walk outside, right? Maybe we're just listening to binaural beats. We're appreciating the nature, the weather, whatever it is. Maybe we're at a yoga class and that's our way of being mindful. You know, maybe it's sitting down and eating a meal really mindfully without your phone, right? Maybe talking with friends or actually engaging in the conversation with your partner. And so there's ways to be mindful that definitely don't have to be meditation. Mm -hmm. That makes so much sense. And I think sometimes, I don't know about you, but if I'm talking with people who are maybe a bit more anxious or that, you know, when we think about when you're anxious in your body, sometimes like moving, like you said, if you were walking or you were doing a flow or just kind of trying to like tune in and like, cause sometimes too, it's, it's like when hearing those thoughts can almost like validate your emotions, if that makes sense. So if you're feeling like really sad or depressed for some reason, then maybe you're tuning into your thoughts and you're realizing, oh my gosh, I'm having all these you know, thoughts. Whereas if you had also maybe done some meditation or some sort of mindful practice, you are also proactively checking in. Like it can be you know, in several different angles or from seven to several different parts of your day or states of mind. Yeah, definitely. And that when you said, you know, being sad or anxious or depressed, whatever, that immediately reminded me of breath work. Because I think for me, breath work is the biggest emotional release form of mindfulness. Um, It is so helpful, you know, changing, changing our breath, changing our body chemistry, you really get that emotional release. And I can do it, you know, for 30, 45 minutes at a time. And after I just feel so much better. I think is so interesting about breath work is a lot of people that I speak with and work with might be dealing with constipation or maybe struggling with body image or, you know, um, just maybe uncomfortable and tense. Mm -hmm. And what is always interesting to me about breath work is 
that it's the opposite of sucking in your stomach and just kind of like letting those things go. Was that something that either you encountered when you were learning breath work or maybe some of the things that when you're teaching this to your clients, does that ever come up for people? The the body image part, is that what yeah, you're Yeah, like to? this idea of like, okay, if I were to sit down and breathe and just like letting your stomach relax and pooch out and have that, I just wondered if that was a barrier or a worry that anyone maybe had with that. Well, you know what? I think when you're doing breath work, especially in a class you're and you're laying down and you're kind of in this really comfortable position, it's maybe the first time that we've really checked in with how our body is feeling that day and where we're holding tension. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I've more so heard that for a lot of people, breath work helps with bad body image. You know, it helps us be more in tune with our body. I love that. That makes so much sense. And where that's just that relaxation and the digestive process and just tuning in. And it, and whenever I've talked to you about this offline, there's so much just lack of judgment that I think is so cool in the way that you approach this. Is that something that I imagine comes up with like breath work and mindfulness as well? Is that a component? You mean lack of judgment, like with my clients when they don't want to engage in like a mindfulness activity? Well, we could go that direction. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But I was just thinking more along the lines of like, is non-judgment a piece of mindfulness? Just because the way you were describing that offline, that's always kind of a word, like words that I've heard you use. Yeah. Our brain processes around 70,000 thoughts a day. And a lot of us, especially with eating disorders, you know, we're constantly judging ourselves what we're eating, how we look, how we feel, right? If we're eating the right thing, if we're not. And so doing something like breath work, engaging in an activity that's mindful, it allows you to check in and think about what you're thinking about, right? And the other part of mindfulness that I love is understanding that we are the observer of our thoughts. We are not our thoughts. We are not our feelings, right? We are the observer. And when we're mindful, when we're meditating, when we're engaging in breath work, we can see that, you know, we can allow our thoughts to come and acknowledge them and let them pass. Yeah. Isn't that wild when you first start doing that and you realize that you're never not thinking that you're never not having thoughts. It's crazy. Yes. (laughs) I realized there was something that I said about breath work. I, a little bit ago, I said that I can do it for 30 or 45 minutes at a time. And I just want to clarify, I do that in a class and I don't want to scare anyone. And that's certainly not all that breath work entails. There's many different exercises that we can do that can be helpful. There's one exercise that I think of in particular, in particular with people with anxiety, relaxing breath, which is the four, seven, eight breathing. So breathing in for a count of four, holding it for a count of seven, and then breathing out for eight counts. And that is so, so relaxing. But I just wanted to clarify because I probably when I said that, some people listening were like, oh my God, I'll never do that. I'll never take 30 to 45 minutes to breathe. <laughs> yeah. No, that makes sense. I could imagine that even 30 to 45 seconds, you know, a few times a day could really go a long way and that it could really, really make an impact. What are some ways that you know, as far as food and you already like alluded to like mindfulness with eating and checking in, 
how does it show up or what are some strategies that you might utilize in bringing mindfulness into someone's recovery? Maybe what in the day-to-day or in the bigger picture? Yeah, I think, first of all, we can look at right when we wake up in the morning, right? Like what are we doing right when we wake up in the morning? And that's a great way to add some mindfulness to your day. Even if it's starting your day with five minutes of gratitude journaling, you know, maybe five minutes of reflecting on the day before how you want your day today to go, right? Maybe you do a five minute meditation. Maybe you just lay in your bed and you take five deep breaths or you go through, you know, five cycles of the four, seven, eight breathing. That's a great way to be mindful right when you wake up. And it's something I often encourage my clients to do is to create some kind of morning night routine. It's really important, you know, especially a morning routine. It sets the tone, you know, for our entire day. And then at night, you know, there's so many other awesome ways to be mindful too. You know, maybe you also want to end your night with a guided meditation for sleep, right? Like a sleep story. I love that. I was talking to a client the other day and she said something to me about how, because we were working on changing uh, some of her thought processes or around eating a particular snack that's challenging for her to do in the afternoon. And she said, you know, I have to check in with myself afterwards because if I don't, then I just kind of go into my autopilot. And so she was using mindfulness as a way to check in and and be able to kind of shift gears. And I've also had some clients where we've used it a little bit in challenging certain food rules or food thoughts. Does that ever show up in your work with clients in that way at all or something maybe related to that? Yeah, definitely. I think when you are sitting down for a meal that might be particularly challenging, like a snack, right? You can absolutely shift gears, you know, after that. You don't have to let that hard experience, you know, guide the rest of your day. You can say, you can maybe take a minute to go walk outside, journal about the experience. We can release it in some way. And one way with journaling that I love to kind of practice that release. I'll journal just totally like brain dump in my journal, you know, write everything that I want to say. And then I'll write in Sharpie, like I release this, you know, so it's big and bold and I can see it and then I will burn it. And (laughs) I, I I love it. (laughs) Yeah. And do this in a safe way, but yeah. And then I'll burn it and I'll watch everything that I just quote unquote released, right. Burn into the air. And for me, that is super cathartic. Mm-hmm. You said something earlier about being the observer of your thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering how do you how do you explain that to someone or how do you teach that to someone? It's such a it's so powerful. But if you're so used to being so caught up in your thoughts, obviously I'm getting the bigger picture that mindfulness will help you, you know, get in tune with them and start to learn how to observe them and to be calm and quiet and How do you talk to people about that concept? Mm -hmm. Well, I think there's a few different ways I approach this. One being, I love to talk about um, the soul versus the ego. And we can find this in the eight keys, talking about our soul Mm -hmm. and who we really are at our core. Eight eight keys to recovery? Yes, the eight keys to recovery. Sorry, I should have clarified that. And then I think the other part of this is 
talking about not judging ourselves, you know, kind of what you were saying before is not judging any thought that we have. And that's really important for people struggling with OCD too, is learning not to judge, you know, the intrusive thoughts. Mm -hmm. We are the observer, right? We didn't ask for these thoughts, but we're having them and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And we can move past them and we can release that and we can learn to think differently. I think that's really beautiful because I, a lot of people I work with, you know, they've been working on recovery and it's, it's a process, right. Or they're working on healing their relationship to food. And it takes you so long to develop a negative relationship to food, or you just live in the society long enough, however, however we want to view that. Um, And so when you're starting to try to change those thoughts, I have a lot of people that I speak to and they say things like, I know I shouldn't think this, or I'm having this thought and I know it's the wrong way to think about it. You know, it's like you're, and when you're trying to change those thoughts and observe them and think about them and release them, I just, I don't know, the way you described it just sounds so much more human centered and focused and that just, this is a process that, that takes time. And, and I just felt like, you're reducing shame around having these thoughts too. Is that a reaction that some of your clients have? Yeah. I mean, it feels good to be understood, you know, to know you're not the only person who has experienced maybe intrusive thoughts or thoughts that you don't want to have or judgmental thoughts, right? Like we all have judgmental thoughts Mm -hmm. and that's okay. And we can a hundred percent move past that. Mm -hmm. And one way I like to move past that is writing affirmations, you know, maybe a list of five or 10 affirmations that really, really speak to us. Not affirmations that you kind of believe you kind of don't, but affirmations that are real and true and make sense for where we're at in our lives and repeating that to ourselves. You can even record them as like a voice memo on your phone and then play it back for yourself in the morning or at night. Mm -hmm. And that is really comforting for some people. That is, that's beautiful. And I'm even thinking about when you were talking about creating a routine in the morning, um, even if it's five minutes long or a ritual at night before you go to bed where you're listening to a guided meditation or maybe an alarm on your phone that reminds you to check in and listen to something quickly or take a quick walk and gather your thoughts. Or it's just like, it feels like you're creating this little space for yourself. You know, like you said, finding a space in your home or a fuzzy blanket, or uh, maybe it's a particular journal or a note on your iPhone or whatever, like wherever you're kind of having this, like almost like comfort kit of like, what can you use? Or, you know, how can you find a guided meditation when you need it? And it's there for you. Or like you said, having these recordings for your own affirmation, like that just feels so empowering and positive. I love that comfort kit. Yes. Like little digital space, your own physical space and, and yeah. My my mornings really are very sacred to me. It's time, you know, to just connect with myself, set the tone for my day. And immediately I was just thinking, you know, after I said that, maybe someone who wants to create a morning routine, but thinks that they're going to forget, you know, when they wake up, one way, you know, that you can approach this is print print out, you know, your exact morning routine, no matter how basic it is, right? Like print it out step by step. I've laminated things before and hung them up in my house. And it's really helpful. You know, if you know, you're wired to wake up and have the same morning that you usually do, right? Like maybe you go immediately to get a cup of coffee, and then you go straight to work. It's hard to get out of that 
And so I think that printing something, laminating it, sticking it where you'll actually see it, it will help reinforce, you know, that new morning routine that you want to create. Absolutely. That's what I think about the people that I work with and probably the people you work with. I have so much respect and admiration because you're trying to change things that you do every single day or thoughts that you you said 70,000 thoughts a day and you're trying to make even some small directional change or you know connecting and and rewiring in some new ones and being patient with yourself and taking care of yourself you know and doing all, right. all things like that is just such a cool way to think of it that you would, you know, go through the trouble of having this printed out, having something physical and that just, it's not, it's not easy to do. And no. it, recovery is incredibly difficult. So, you know, if, if you're listening right now, have patience with yourself, things do change, but it takes time yeah. and it takes effort. And we have to remember every day not to judge ourselves. Absolutely. And that's, you know, being a, what you were saying before about being a coach and doing this work, I appreciate having a coach on the treatment team because it's just so nice to have somebody that's so empowering and skill focused and able to bring this extra touch point, you know, being available. It's like, yeah, I want to change this, but gosh, you know, after that snack, I was having some really negative thoughts and I, you know, I'm working on making a note card with some, you know, Mm -hmm. new thoughts that I want to have about this experience or whatever, but also being able to process that with someone like yourself is just really, really amazing. Well, thanks. I appreciate you saying that. But yeah, I mean, that's that's what coaches, especially CCI coaches are trained to do, right? Help with the here and now, help with the behavior change aspect. Yes. Well, and that flows into one of the last things that I like to ask everybody that I have on the podcast is, you know, what what is next for you and your business or what do you have going on right now? And most importantly, where can people find you? Yeah, well, people can find me at Merit Elizabeth Recovery. That's pretty much the name for everything. Um, Instagram, Facebook, my website, pretty simple. Right now, I recently I started a company called the Happy Recovery Shop that you can find on Etsy. It promotes body positive loungewear. So I have super cute pink sweats and a hoodie. Um, Go promote body positivity. I have a discount. For everyone listening, um, it's for 25% off everything in my Etsy shop. And the discount code is Aligned Nutrition. I think that will be in the show notes too, in case you forget. Yes, I will link everything there. I love this. So now you can put on a hoodie, do some meditation. (laughs) Absolutely. I love it. Oh, thank you so much for offering that and being so generous with your time and your skills and your perspective. I think, you know, when things do feel hard and you're trying to change and we're getting ready to go in the holidays, this just this episode, I haven't talked about mindfulness in this way before on this podcast. And I just think that, you know, it sounds so simple. Oh, just, you know, take a walk or journal, but just really thinking about how powerful that can be and how positive that can be and shame reducing and affirming. I just really thank you so much for taking the time to be with me today here. And yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, until next time, and please give Merit a follow, check out everything that she has going on and we will link it all and take care. Thanks to you for listening. 
find me on Instagram at Align Nutrition. Let me know if you like this or if you have other topics or ideas for the podcast. I love hearing from you. If you've gotten something out of this, help us reach more people who need this message by subscribing in your podcast app. A nice rating and review also helps us reach more people and is so appreciated. I hope you enjoyed this episode and until next time.